Well, I, I imagine you're interested in my uh, my faith and and the walk I've walked. Hello, church. This is Pastor Aaron. Uh, this is our podcast. We're trying something new in setting up these conversations with different people uh, that are a part of our church and our community of faith and exploring the stories that make up our story. Um, and the first person that we have up to, to introduce to you or to allow you to get to know a little bit better is Mary Lee Ings. She has been a part of our church for a little over five years and she shares uh, in our conversation uh, just a part of a little bit about her, her journey um, in faith and in life. And it is a beautiful, beautiful story of God's grace and the way that he cares for, sustains us, and receives us. Um, and so I hope that this conversation that I had with Mary Lee uh, is able to allow you to get to know her a little bit better, but also that you might see the grace of God through her life. And so I hope you enjoy the conversation we had. So why don't we just start here? How long have you been at the church and how did you even stumble into I the doors of our like five years ago it's about five years ago and i used to drive by and i i loved the the sign mm. uh, Lori was always putting different things up and if you got lucky and and you caught the light red you know i could sit there and read it oh sure and i, yeah. I was very aware of it and i was aware that it was nazarene and uh, i had had dealings in the past as a as a young person mm. with uh, the Nazarene church in Pasadena. So oh, yeah, right. it, it was familiar. Yeah. And uh, I had been thinking about finding a church here and uh, I did discover there was an assembly of God. Uh, I think it's over on the east side, if I recall. But I, there was something about this little church and something happened in my life, actually with my son. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I remember I, I I made the Lord a promise. I, I said, yeah, like like, who am I to make make deals with the Lord? But I did. Uh -huh. I, I said, you know, Lord, if you can fix this, I promise you, I'll go to church. Mm. And the eleventh hour, um, the Lord fixed it for Andrew, and uh, I made a promise, mm. and I kept it. And I walked into that little church, and the people were kind. And, you know, you feel odd because you don't know anybody. Right. But I was determined. <laughs> I was bloody determined. So you really, you didn't, nobody invited you. There was mm -hmm. not an event going on. No. You just sort of cold call, cold turkey, walked yeah, in on a Sunday morning. The only event going on was in, in my life. Yeah. Yeah, they they were just trucking along at the church. But, um from that first moment, I, I just, uh, I felt that uh, even though it wasn't Pentecostal, and, <laughs> and I'm sorry to say that, but I, I, I felt that was where I, I just felt it. I just, I belonged there and, and I was made to feel that way. Mm. And I, I've never changed that. What made you feel that way? You said you were made to feel that way. Oh, not, not forcefully. Uh, uh, it was... Um, uh, Dan took me and introduced me to this darling lady, Linda. 
uh-huh. who has since passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think I think they were a team, to tell you the truth. Because <laughs> oh, like he already when, knew when someone comes up, rare, I'm gonna introduce yeah. you, Linda. Well, to when the... Susan Holber showed up, uh-huh. like a couple of weeks later, he immediately brought her to me and and introduced us, and she told. Oh, they, they came to the church after you were mm-hmm. there already. Oh, yeah, but not okay. by much. But it was just Susan and I at first. And and uh, Susan has later told me that uh, she and Bob kind of had an agreement that they were looking for a church, but she would go to the churches. And when she thought she found one that, uh, you know, would 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 work for them. Yeah, he would Next come thing too. I know, she there they came. Okay. So that's how wow. that all started. Okay. And so when you... When you went to the church for the first Sunday, were you already committed to like, I'm going to make this my church mm-hmm. or were you do, so. trying it out? Uh, oh no, I, I, I wasn't thinking of any other church and I waited, hmm. I waited a couple of years before I joined. Oh, and, like membership you mean? Yeah. And I remember Dan, I had shared something with Dan and I didn't expect him to bring it up, but he had, you know, we were standing up front and. He said, Mary Lee, I want you to tell tell the people what you told me. I'm deer in the headlights. What I had said to him was I hesitated because I I wasn't sure the church would accept me. Mm. And I remember him asking me that. But um, as it turned out, it's it's always been good. Mm. Always. Mm. What what was the fear that why the church wouldn't accept you? I think um, uh, because of things I had thought. You know, you, we carry, sometimes we carry falsehoods in our mind. They become real to us. I uh, went into a foster home when I was 13, turning 14. And uh, these folks were, they were Pentecostal and they were lovely. They, they were lovely people and um, I, I just remember how I, things that were said to me from the, not from them, but from the church people. I mean, they were pretty judgmental. Hmm. And I was just a, a dumb kid. Hmm. And I remember it hurt. And so I carried that. And I was isn't, wrong. Well, isn't that amazing, though, how some of those experiences that we have from the times we're 13 are still very much like real and a part of us emotionally mm-hmm. and in adulthood. You never lose them. And you never lose them. You and don't it, lose them. It makes me wonder sometimes, what are those like impressions that I'm giving off to people that I'm, that when they're adults, when they're older, they're thinking to themselves, you know, this person or a group that I was a part of, that group of people made me feel what? And it and it shaped and formed the way that I thought about the church or Christian faith or whomever, right, that that's associated with. But like, I usually don't think of like the impressions that I'm making on people as having that lasting of an impact, but it does. But I think you came from a very stable family. Oh, uh, I see what you uh, yeah. You probably, I, I, I don't get the impression you've ever questioned your worth. I did. Oh, I, I do. Did. I do. 
Oh. Yeah. Oh, that surprises me. Why? Uh, because I always thought if you have a strong family life, um, you mm. you just sort of know. I didn't know. Mm. I, I was with my birth parents until I was 13. Yeah. I was just actually turning 14. And uh, at the time when it happened, uh, it seemed like a wonderful thing that was happening to me. What? the Be, Being left. Oh. Uh, but it also was in the background mm. thinking, I mean, I always thought, gee, what was wrong with me? Why, why would they not want me? Yeah. And what? as I've I mean, become an adult, I have sort of figured all that out. Yeah. So you were, so what year were you born? 1935, right in the Depression. So you're born in the middle of the Depression, mm -hmm. and you're with your birth family. Right. Um, and they end up, you end up in the foster system. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it started that it was going to be the foster system. It was okay. people that, uh, my, my parents, they moved. I mean, it was constant. It was constant. I mean, and they weren't little moves. You live in California today, and a week from now, you might live in New Orleans, or you might live in uh, Arlington, Virginia, or yeah. uh, somewhere in Florida. I mean, they were big moves. And what were the moves? I, I think Why searching for work. Okay. I think so. Okay. Uh, remember, it was the Depression, and then the war came along, and uh, they just kept moving. How old were your parents, your birth parents, when you were born? Uh, my mother was 21, 20. She was 20. 20. Yeah, she was 38 when she died, and I was 18, so she was 20. Yeah. And I would guess he was 21 or 22. Okay. And they were from a little town uh, on the Monongahela River in Pennsylvania. Where were you born? In this in little, little town. town? <laughs> yes. What was it called again? Uh, well, the town was Brownsville. Brownsville. But it sits right on the Monongahela. Monongahela? Mm -hmm. Just I've never about 35 miles southwest of uh, Pittsburgh. And their families had been there for generations, literally generations. Wow. So their, their moving is like a huge thing in terms of their family tree. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, there were... But... Uh, Maybe, Aunts and uncles and cousins, we, but, never, we never knew them. But maybe an indication as well of like just the dire situation that they were in. Right? I think so. It was a I pretty traumatic so. change. Um, uh, for many years, I didn't allow myself to even think about it. I just said, mm -hmm. well, they didn't want me. But, you know. So, okay, so hold on. So you're moving around. And how do you, is it, is it financial, economical, mainly, you think? The, I think how so. you ended up kind mm -hmm. of maybe being cared for by some other families and eventually in like a foster situation? Um, oh boy, that's a tough one because it, it kind of borders on my relationship with my mother. Mm. It wasn't an easy life. My, yeah. my mom, uh, from all that I know, uh, had had a pre pretty privileged upbringing mm. and um, when she married my dad, her father literally, literally threw her out. Threw everything out in the front yard. And, uh, and, and then 
my mom kept having babies. She had eight children mm. by the time mm. she was 38. Mm. And I, I, I all, always kind of figured I was the first one. And I have often wondered if she felt like it was, you know, if but for me, her life might have been different. Mm. I always thought that. And I hope she's in heaven because I'm sure going to ask her. (laughs) (laughs) So so you end up in the foster situation. Well, they left me with this couple that they knew, and I knew them also. And it was just kind of, I could live with them. Uh, Jenny had three small children, the couple where I was. And so I could help. Okay. Robert was a fireman. How did they know each other? Uh, They had a friend, Jenny, my stepmother, I guess. Uh, had a friend who lived right near, hmm. near where my parents lived, and I, for some reason, Jenny just took a liking to me. Hmm. So you move in just with kind of family friends. Yeah, kind, kind of. How of. It maybe and felt. Uh, uh, somehow, I I have since realized. Uh, I think Jenny hooked up with the, the with the uh, what do we call foster. Care system. Oh, she. Okay. Because as I look back now, I I realize there was money for things that I I needed, like mm. dental work yeah. and things, and I know they couldn't have afforded it. But he, after I had been been with them maybe a year, year and a half, they they did a, a like like a step parent adoption of me. Oh, like a legal adoption. Their name. Yeah, gave me their name. Oh, wow. Was that something they asked you about? Or? Yes. Oh, oh yeah, okay. they did. Yeah. They okay. did. And I had never heard from my birth parents again. Wow. Oh, I you never, never heard had from them. I never saw my mother again. again. Wow. I did see him after after my mother died. Wow. But uh, I never 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 saw my mom again. And uh, but but this couple that took me in, they 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 went on to have. Uh, uh, they they are now licensed with the state, and there would be uh, usually it was teenagers, uh, girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember any boys. And you know they would come and be with us for a while, and then they'd be somewhere else, and it was just kind of a constant turning. Yeah, yeah. Of so folks. so you start living with Jenny and and Robert. Robert, and they're the ones. My understanding. That introduce you to church faith. You didn't really have much involvement with that prior to ne- living never. with them. Never. And what was that? I feel like you've told me the church that you went to. The name of the church. Before. It was the Assembly of God. Assembly of God in North Hollywood. North Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And they were members. Uh, I think Jenny. Uh, Jenny knew the Nazarene Church. She knew of it. She had friends, and. Uh, they're similar, mm. not totally alike, but similar. Yeah. And um, what was that experience like going from, like, no church to now, a family that like sounds like they were committed from oh, very, other things that you've told very. me before. And it was, I almost said to you, it was part of the package, but that isn't. Mm. That's not. It was just part of their life, and it became part of my life. Mm. And uh, I still remember the day I, I was saved. It was December 4th, 1949. So you've been 14. I had just turned 14. Tell me about that. Like about two weeks before. Oh, it was like nothing I'd ever experienced. 
um, uh, it was a real sense of belonging. Hmm. It really was. And, uh, and belonging to? Uh, something, something more than I had ever known. And, and I know, it, uh, and I, I don't mean, I'm not gonna, I, I don't mean this that I belittle uh, the Lord at all because he's been with me all my life, even when I didn't deserve it. But I, I knew it mattered to Rob and Jenny. Mm -hmm. I knew it mattered. And uh, I, I can remember, I could hardly wait to go to church. After that? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. We went Sunday morning to, to uh, uh, Sunday school and then to Sunday service and back on Sunday nights. and. Friday nights they would have youth things, and um, I tried to fit in. I didn't fit in there very well. Ooh, I want to get to that, but I want to go back to the December fourth thing. Tell me about because it seems like you have a very specific date. Sounds like you probably have a sense of what all happened there. Like a, there's a memory there. Of... Well, the, you know the Assembly of God churches they have altar calls. Uh huh. Constant. <laughs> and uh, the Sunday night service. And uh, I just I felt the Lord. Mm. And I went forward and, mm. and I was saved. Mm. I've never regretted it. It's probably been the strongest force in my whole life. That, that moment. At that moment. And even when I didn't walk with the Lord, I, I just always knew. And what what sort of like brought you, I'm curious, to give your life to God and to the Lord? Like was it, was it a sense of, because I, I think I hear a lot of stories sometimes that range in what people were feeling or thinking when they first committed to Jesus. And some of it is like, hmm. I feel really guilty and I now feel cleansed. Sometimes it's, I just feel That's so... That's a good description. I mean, I, I you know, Pentecostal people, they, they preach hellfire and brimstone. Okay. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you're a bloody sinner. Right. I mean, and I felt that. Yeah. But... I felt that. And, uh, uh, and to me, the only way to not feel that was to, to accept the Lord. Mm. And I, I, it, was, it was a wonderful experience. And so that that did bring a sense of just cleansing or it did light it lightness did. maybe to your life uh, gave me purpose gave you purpose it see that's me, what that, it that's, felt like everything i did now kind of really mattered and you had to mm, do it right you just oh, had sure. to do it right mm. and and that still is, is still part of me even though i don't always do it right none of us do yeah, but there, but there is also combined with that sense of like forgiveness and cleansing. There was a sense of like, your life now was infused with more meaning. Yes. By that event. Yes. Yeah. But and then, I, I became very involved again in what Jenny was doing. It seems to me Robert, <laughs> he went to the firehouse twenty four hour shifts. You know. Oh, was he a fireman? He was a fireman, okay, L.A. Right. City, and uh, uh, and on his days off, he would do. Uh, what they call sea shifting. He, uh, prior to becoming a fireman, he was part of the, his family's plumbing business. So he was always taking extra jobs. Okay. So uh, did Ginny work? 
No. 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 Jenny, so he was. He he was. It was, it. and that was how the times were really. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. Traditionally, they the, bought a little home in the San Fernando Valley after the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I first got there, when Jenny had a brand new baby, like three months old, mm. and Marg okay. is now seventy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And I'm still in You're touch like, with her. And how did we get to this age? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe the rest of you did. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm not there. I don't know how you got so old. Yeah, really. And when did this happen? So, you have this pretty powerful experience that you mm-hmm. still even, it seems like, reflect back on is really meaningful. Like, Oh, it was. Life. Um, and it still ha- is full of meaning. Mm-hmm. It's still, still. Still. Uh, it, it's, it's the one thing in this battered old world that we live in right now. It, it's the one thing that gives me hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, uh, all around us, we hear hatred and anger and, Golly, people, uh, they, they are so unkind. Uh, everybody's laughing at me. I love Christmas. I mean, I love it with a passion because people are kinder. I, mm. It does something to them. I, I'm, I sit here in my house literally making decisions where I'm going to put all of my Christmas trees. <laughs> I've already started. And how, how many you got? Uh, uh, right now I have four. And... Uh, I, I, I just, I love that season. Last year, I might, this house was decorated by Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing my best to hold off right now. One day, I got into the tubs where I keep the decorations, and I, I just had to look at them. I, there's just something kinder in the air. So, yeah, it's interesting. You're, so there's this experience that you've had in your youth that, that you want to continue even now to give that to other people, this sense of like hope, a sense of like things can be different, uh, a lightness to the midst of maybe what what, what otherwise is a really difficult. Everything's, you know, it's be kind. Yeah. I, um, I've always been, I've always watched the news probably more too lately more than I should and (laughs) I think that's all of us I have to turn it off because I can almost cry Mm. and uh, it's it's like they they just make up stuff I don't even know and I shouldn't say that Uh, (laughs) maybe they don't maybe it's fact but you hardly ever see Mm. lovely Mm. kind beauty you just don't it's boy Joe did this and Sam did that yeah. Donald did this, you know, and it's like, golly, folks, yeah. get along. So, okay, so you you were saved in this Assemblies God Church in North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You're excited about church, and yet there's a sense in which there's a you, you. If I heard you right, said that there was a you didn't fit in. I didn't realize at first. Oh, I didn't you were know like, I didn't fit in. How, how, I didn't know what. How did you then come to a realization that uh, you didn't fit one in? One day, Jenny, uh, my foster mom, she, I, I think, I think she was trying. Number, oh, I didn't tell you the big part. I was fourteen. Jenny was twenty-four, and Robert was thirty. I mean, she barely made the age minimum to qualify to adopt me. Mm. There had to be a ten-year span. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And now I forgot what we were talking about. So she, she, she was. 
uh, oh, make you aware she, that you don't fit in. Yeah, and remember, That's she was nice. more of a big sister. Oh, sure. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, yeah, although yeah. she insisted, absolutely insisted, that I call her mother. Oh, really? Not mom. That I always feel forced? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but it mattered to her. Hmm. So I always huh. did it. But she told me that somebody at the church had come to her and and had suggested that she send me back where she got me. Oh. And she, but I think, Jenny didn't tell me to hurt me. I think, honestly, I don't know what it was. Um, I probably didn't have a ton of social graces, uh, would be my guess. I mean, we, we lived most of my life in a car, traveling. <clears throat> you know, you were here, you were there. That's so I hurtful. Had two little bratty brothers, you know, uh, who I miss very much. Yeah. But um, I think Jenny thought she was, I think she thought she was being kind. Oh, to try giving and... Giving me hey, some direction. This is what's going on. I want to yeah, help you. Uh, kind you of, need to... Huh. But yeah. it... But it's something that you haven't forgotten. No. Right. But so I, I've learned how. I hope I have learned that I, I try hard to um, watch what I do mm. and watch what I say. I mean, to me, uh, I think we should all be kind. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm. I don't have real high self-esteem, but yeah. enough. I have enough to get by. Huh. I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm a braggart. I hope I'm not. But I, uh, I think that... Which is like, all of like what you're saying even now though is like the complete opposite of how I experience you. In the sense of like, I experience you as somebody who I'm so happy is a part of our church. Like I experience you. you as somebody that that I really enjoy being around. I've told you this, and I enjoy. Times. I really like, enjoy our conversations. In that, because that, I never feel you judge me. Yeah, but I I don't I don't, um, but it's really easy not to, because I think that you have mm. a joy. And a, I've told you this before. You you make me when I'm with you feel like. It's everything's okay, and Everything I feel is. we're and here. I, right? And I you feel, know? but I, I, you know, I feel, I always feel, I, you know, I was reading this book the other day. It said one of the marks of a holy person is that they make, they make other people feel better about themselves when they're around them, and you know that's what you do for me. Thank you, thank and, you. And I would, I would just describe that as like a quality of holiness that you possess in your life. Oh, I wish that were true. Boy, now, I struggle. Well, that's things. the funny thing is like holy people don't go around saying I'm a holy person or I feel like a holy person, <laughs> oh, right? They don't? If, if you did, you probably wouldn't be a holy person. True. But it's more of like true. for me to just call out like it's so odd to hear these things being said to you at any point in your life because of how incongruent it is with the way that I experience you oh thank you uh, I'm always afraid I'm going to do the wrong thing uh, I have a friend we have been friends since we were like 20 mm. and um, they live out of state she and her husband and 
they they used to come visit me a lot and her husband is he's difficult he's mm. he's rude mm. he's just a rude man and uh, but I've always dealt with it because I'm so tickled to see her and <laughs> they were here a few months ago and um, I don't know what brought this about she did some things that just hurt me clear to the core mm. and I, I asked them to leave. Oh wow! And and I I feel bad about it. Yeah. And uh, then I did see them the next day, and then they left, and uh, they've gone back to their home, and now they're telling me they want to come visit again. <laughs> and I'm going, I don't, Lord, please help me, <laughs> please help me. I, I don't want them to come here. Yeah. I don't want a repeat of of what happened. Sure. Because. I don't want to make a mistake and um, and be unkind. Be because yeah, when to. they left, I was done. I was like, "Go away, go away." Mm. And so I'm always trying to, I'm always checking myself. Hmm. And I'll say something to somebody, and then, you know, a day later, I go, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, I wish I hadn't said that." So it, so it, so it, it really works really good for me to stay by myself. <laughs> so. So Ginny tells you this thing that somebody in the church yeah. has said, and now you feel, yeah. do you at that moment just feel like uncomfortable at church or do uh, you just kind of think? I, I think I started to kind of withdraw. Yeah. And, and then in the meantime, uh, Rob and Ginny, uh, my guess is Patty knows this. Knew. There was a young, uh, a young pastor, uh, his name is Jack Stiles. Uh-huh. Uh, Jack and Patty Styles, and uh, they were building a little church right near where we lived hmm. in Pacoima. And I don't know how Rob and Jen got involved with them, but we started going to church there. Okay. And then when they were adding on to the church, Robert being a plumber, he plumbed this whole wing of the church, and and that's where then later we went to church until okay. I until I left home. Yeah. And I. Well, I don't think I offended anybody there, so <laughs> at least I hope I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I hope I didn't. Yeah. So you, you're at this Assemblies of God Church. You start going to this other church. Do you remember what it it is called? Yeah, or was yeah it called? still exists. I oh, still, what is it? Yeah. I still watch it on Facebook. Oh, the live stream. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You, yeah. I remember you saying, "What is it called it's again?" It's uh, Osborne Neighborhood Church. Osborne Neighborhood yeah, Church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sometimes I well I watch you first, yeah. and then I'll go find them. Uh huh. And uh, that's amazing. Watch them. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, it's still there. And I uh, I have an old neighbor when I still lived in the valley, and and Misty still goes there. And yeah. So you're kind of with this family in these couple of churches. You discovered faith, embraced faith, mm -hmm. maybe had some little bit of wounding experiences with that first church mm -hmm. in terms of just the hurtfulness. Um, and, and, and people you, are just being human, that's yeah, all. Who yeah. knows? Well, that's the that's yeah, the weird part knows? of the church, right? Like you, yeah, Well, we're human. You You're sometimes human. expect the place to be full of saints, <laughs> but it's always a place full of saints and sinners. And we, our, our life, as individuals, is always this tension between saints and sinners, right? A little bit. I think you're right. And so you experience that yeah, in the I church. Mean, it's, uh, I, I think the Christian walk is, 
is a work in progress, always. Yeah. Always. I mean, I, I, my kids would die if they heard me say this. I look forward to the end. Mm. I, I look forward to not worrying about, ooh, did I say the wrong thing? Ooh, ooh, mm. I shouldn't have told them that. Mm. And it's not that I'm, you know, I'm not anxious to go off and leave my kids. But, right. But, I mean, I do think those things. Do you think that that sense of, like, uh, awareness of, like, trying to say the right things or whatever, do you think that that's part of just, like, your personality? Or is that something that came with the church? And by oh, personality, hard. I mean, like, you know, your life experiences and all of these things that sort I of think cultivate it's that. More that. It's more I, that. I think than, it's more that. Yeah. I think it's more that uh, um, the first 13 years, I mean, I, I think our, I think we are fairly well formed by that point, you know, and uh, I, I will say this, there was, my family was poor. I mean, they were really poor, but there was never state aid if, if, if we didn't have it, we didn't have it. Yeah. I, I don't ever remember being taken to a store and bought clothes. You know, they were hand-me-downs. and Sure. But I still yeah. like hand-me-downs, yeah. so that's fine. Yeah, I love hand-me-downs for yeah. my kids, I mean, too. Sometimes you get real treasures. <laughs> and uh, and I think that was kind of oh, in sure. me. Uh, uh, the one thing that I do recall, I, I was, I loved school. Hmm. And uh, I... They all burned, but I, I had old report cards. Where I, a couple of years, I was a straight-A student, and I, mm. I think I might have done more with it, except I don't know if I had the confidence, mm. you know, to say you're, you're, you're worth you're good. it. Yeah, you're, you're very, I, I you're think bad. we're all formed yeah. as children. Yeah, significant you know, part of our, our you know, um, I uh like I said, uh, my my mother had a brother, one brother, and uh, my grandparents, her parents, had been in this area for many, many generations. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather sold the family farm to Eleanor Roosevelt in the Depression, and they they made it, uh, it's called Pencraft, and it's a self-help community. Hmm. And that's what my mother grew up in. Oh, okay. And my dad was one of eight. Okay. His mother was from Scotland. Whoa, crazy yeah, Scottish lady. And I have, I have one memory of her, and one memory of my other grandmother. Hmm. Other than that, the, 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 but there were lots of. I know there were cousins and aunts and uncles. Oh yeah. yeah. But we didn't have that structure. Hmm. We just didn't have it. And I encourage my children now. They have lots of cousins, and hmm. I encourage them. You don't know. have to like them, but they're yours. Yeah, just be you connected. Know, be part of their lives. Yeah. So there's this. So you have this faith that's kind of been birthed in you, but we started with you were coming to our church for the first time. So there's this huge gap of time between the time you graduated high school and, and when, when you into walked into church. our church. But it seems like there, like that you weren't going to a church no. in between these. I was out in the world making terrible mistakes. And that's well, all I will say on that. Yeah. So there is, there's just a period where you step out of the church. And I mean, do you, do you think like, I know we've talked about some of these things, like were there moments throughout 
that sort of the many chapters of your life there where you felt God's nearness to you? Like, were you praying? Were you engaged? Or was it just kind of sort of totally detached from? Like, I think I was detached. And yet I, I can look back over the years. And I mean, it's very clear to me that but for the hand of God, hmm. how different, oh, how tragic my life could have been. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I just think of the many, many times. Yeah. And that he, I'm sure he wasn't pleased with me. I wasn't pleased with me. Hmm. But um, I, somehow I, I never lost faith. Yeah, like that I, was always there. The faith was always there. I always believed in God. Always, always believed that He was there. Yeah. And um, I, I don't. I honestly, I can't explain it. I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm more than glad. What am I saying? That I, I walked into, into this little church. Yeah. So beyond just the faith stuff. Um, one, I would say, well, let me, let me just say, I think when, when you made that profession of faith on December 4th, 1949, you have a good I, memory. I think God never let go of you. I think I've said this to you before. You yeah. were never not with. That's right. Yeah. I always felt him. God's, God's grace was still kind of going with you. And it, it's and still like that to this day. I yeah. I question myself, but I don't I, question him. Yeah, I heard this story actually the other day with um. It was a friend of mine. He's uh, one of my my friends from our previous church in Santa Barbara. His daughter had recently become a teenager, and uh, he said they got kind of into a little like little argument. She was gonna go to. She needed to go to softball practice or something like that, and whatever was being said, she ended up or he ended up saying like, "Well, you gotta ride your bike to practice now, whatever." And uh, you know, so she was upset that she wasn't gonna get a ride, or I, I forget what the exact argument was. And so he's like, he's like, "I swear, this is what it's like parenting a teen, a young teenager, you know, thirteen year old." She said. Or he said she got on her bike and she's all like kind of upset, you know, and sad. But but she, the consequences of whatever this fight was, she had to go to ride her bike to practice. And he said, and you know what? I did what every other parent would do. So I didn't let her see me, but I jumped in my car and I just followed her all the way there to make sure that she arrived safely. You know, isn't that what the Lord does? Isn't that what the Lord isn't does? Isn't that exactly what the Where Lord does? Maybe you think. Yeah, we, that, we think that, we're in control. Hands. Or you think that you're no. kind of off by yourself. Yeah. But God has been nearly just the whole time. He's there all the time. Just there. Yeah. With you. Yeah, that's that's the best thing we've said today. Yeah. So, um, but beyond just the faith stuff, you had an interesting career in legs. Right. I thought it was. You yeah. had a fantastic career. Uh, that, that again, was a blessing. So how did you stumble into that? Well, I was getting a divorce, and I needed a job. Mm. And uh, I had a friend 
whose husband was the assistant buyer of Gilson's Markets down oh, yeah, in the yeah, Valley. Yeah. Oh, and, I didn't know they were from the Valley. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Rudy, uh, I forget if Pasha told, I don't know, but came back to me from her husband that there was this little startup company called Legs. And they had been making calls at Gelson's, mm. trying to sell the product in. Oh, yeah. Cause it, uh, trying it to was, get shelf space. Yes, yeah. exactly. And um, I don't remember how I found out how to find them. But I found them, and I went over and interviewed. And uh, at that time, Gels uh, Legs was brand new. And all they wanted to hire were tall, long-legged blondes. <laughs> For people who may not know, what, what is Legs? Legs was a pantyhose developed by Haynes Corporation. And they were in the little eggs. Yeah. And they were in all the markets That's, and drugstores. And, I never knew the name of the company. But I remember even from my childhood, the eggs, the eggs. with the pantyhose yeah. in them. Yeah. And it, was a, it was a wonderful company. It, I, I still stay in touch with a lot of folks yeah. from Legs, but somehow I got hired as a route girl. Uh -huh. I mean, I'd go to the stores and service the, the, the uh, uh, service the racks. And okay. I, and then oh, like putting products up you, on you know, you in stores the rack and yeah, because yeah. they had their own displays mm -hmm. that looked like tall sliced eggs. That's yeah. what they looked like, and I did that for about three three years maybe and when new people would come on board I used to get a call from my manager and they'd ask me well would you take so-and-so out with you and teach her how to do it mm. well they realized they needed a training system mm. so they uh, made some of us what they, they called us branch trainers and they'd pay you a little bit extra you know okay. and uh, uh, I did that for a while and then suddenly I was asked, did I want to interview to become the regional trainer, which was over um, 13 states. Hmm. And I interviewed, never expected it. I'd be doggone, I got the job. And I had to uh, move down closer to the regional office in Anaheim, and I did that for about a year and a half. And then I was promoted to a branch manager up in Sacramento. I ran that for about two and a half years. Then I came back to LA yeah. and took on a bigger branch. Yeah. And then from there I became the regional manager. And it was, um, if you've got to work, work a job you love hmm. is how I feel. And I could hardly wait to go to work. Hmm. I bet you you were a delight to have as a manager. I probably was a pain in the tush. But I did my job. I liked people. Yeah. I was always happy to, you know, go in. In the beginning, it was hard because they weren't used to women oh, coming yeah. through those back doors. And I will tell you, the other vendors and the receivers, they were bloody rude. Mm. You know, they'd tell you to, you know, wait over there. You mm. check in the bread men and the coke men and, you know, and, you know, you're doing this. Yeah, you're trying to. Because you're on time constraints, too, but. Um, it was a wonderful job, wonderful company. So you had though, like the the resolve to kind of push through all that, I was just flipping determined chauvinism and sexism mm -hmm. that you experienced. Well, there's more than one way to skin a cat, <laughs> you know. 
you don't have to get in their face. Yeah. Which is interesting because it seems like like a very Christian thing to do. Uh, is like I don't need to approach this with a sense of confrontation or that's true. Kind of that's true. Kind of power struggle. No. But I'm gonna continue to be joyful and persevere. In whatever. And, yeah, I had one receiver that he just I I I, I, I waited one time and I, I said to him, I said, please, please tell me, did I do something that offends you? And I, I approached him that way. Hmm. And he looked at me like, well, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, every time I come in, I, I wait my turn. I, 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 have, I have, everything's ready, my paperwork's done. And you know, from that day on, hmm. never had any more trouble with him. Hmm. I, I don't think you need to be a, an ass. Excuse me for saying <laughs> yeah, that. But say I don't it. think you do. <laughs> yeah. I think right. you get more with sugar. Yeah. Um, but it was a wonderful 30 years, I'll tell you. I loved it. My, that's my, something else. Your story just is something oh, else and, to me. And I bet you everybody in, in our church has has. Oh, glorious stories. Sure, absolutely. I, I, but yours is no less I, glorious than any of them. Uh, so, so you kind of have this pretty, pretty successful career mm-hmm, with legs. Very successful career. I did. Yeah. And how did that come to an end? Um, it 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 became cost prohibitive hmm. for the company. Uh, we had mills in uh, uh, Las Cruces and mills in the Carolinas. And that's where they did all the weaving. And mm. then as costs went up, uh, they started manufacturing offshore. Mm. And, and then uh, the word was coming down, you know, we're, we're going to kind of idle Downsize, down. Yeah. They tried uh, several times because the girls were driving big vehicles like, like bread trucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, they tried putting... A brand of coffee on the trucks, and the girls would put that up right over. I say girls. We had very few fellows. I had a couple that worked for me mm-hmm. that were uh, sales reps. Yeah. And uh, they tried coffee for a while. That didn't work. Then they <laughs> uh, tried, oh, children's books. That was wonderful. But again, it didn't bring enough revenue. Oh, they're to, trying to diversify yes, the company into these different. If the trucks are already going, yeah, yeah. Right. And then they developed a cosmetic company called Laren. And what is that a mess? Yeah, <laughs> that was probably. 50. They're just throwing anything on the walls to see to how see they what can see what survive. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so then 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 we were putting like ice chests in in, in you know restructure <laughs> the inside of their trucks. Yeah, because some of the some of the products. Uh, like nail polish would explode yeah. in the heat, and oh, I mean, we just we went through all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But it was always fun. It's always something so, new. Yeah. What year did you end up retiring from, from there? Two thousand one. I started there in nineteen seventy one. Okay, so a little bit ago. I was the last one out the door. Yeah. In two thousand. And you retired to then I were you living. I went to work. I actually had because I knew it was happening. I had a home in the west end of the valley. Okay. And I could see what was happening, so I sold the house. And that's like, well, where are you going to live? Mm-hmm. And um, I discovered uh, Oak Ridge, which is a huge manufactured home community. Mm-hmm. And I got in there and 
just bought something just so I had a home. Yeah. And uh, I was offered a job when I when legs ended. Uh -huh. So I left legs uh, what June thirtieth and started working there July first <laughs> as the assistant manager. And then I went and got a, a license. This not a big deal. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Thing. But I I had a license so I could sell. Oh sure, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, we we had pretty good turnover. Uh, there were six hundred homes in. It was a gated community. Yeah. And wow. we'd average maybe 50, 50 sales a year, just out of that office. Yeah. In there, so I did that, and then uh, I moved up this way, and they have two communities up here, so I have worked at both of them. Hmm. And then just one day, I, I think I was about eighty-one. I said, you know, enough. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote a letter of resignation. <laughs> yeah, like I've worked a long time. Yeah, I think it's time. I've been yeah, I've been at it for a long yeah. time, and uh, uh, and so moved up to Ventura. Yeah, I well, my house Church. burned in the Sayer oh. fire. Oh wow! That whole that big community burned to the ground. And, and that's down, when you relocated here. Yeah, and so I had some insurance money and stumbled into this and yeah. I said, well, I like the beach. So, so I, I bought it. So how long have you been here? I've, I've owned this. I bought it in 2010. Oh, okay. And I years. think I finally really settled down here about two years later because I was still working down there. Oh, like doing commuting and... Commuting okay. and staying at people, sleeping yeah. on people's floors and, you know, just <laughs> whatever it took, you know. Um... So when you look back at like just your life, you know, there, there's so, it's so full. There's so much like difficulty and goodness and grace. And I heard uh, a pastor say the other day, they said, when God, when God created the world, he made the sun and the moon and he called the light day and he called the moon night or the dark night and then he looks back and he says that that is good and there's there's like a, a Jewish way of interpreting that that says you know when God when God created all things he called it good both the light and the dark both the good and the difficulty and struggle in many ways like mm -hmm. your life embodies so much of that like so much goodness but also the some bits of struggle and darkness but it, like when I look back on it I, I think or when I hear it it, it was so good um, in some ways where I want to affirm that but when you look back on your life I mean what do you in faith in particular I mean what what sort of jumps out at you of what what God has been doing or what God is like through all of that like how you have experienced God from early childhood through you know, maybe the God who's driving his car behind you while you're like my friend's daughter. Like, how do you experience God now? Like, what do you look back and, and think from all of this, this is what I what I feel like God is like? It's a big I, question, but I'm... Uh, your story about your friend hmm. and the father following to keep her safe. You can't say it much better than that. And that's what, uh, I, I mean, I've always, I, I'm amazed when I think of all the screw-ups I've, I've made. 
and that I know in my heart God always loved me. I knew mm. it. And that was more than I ever felt from any mortal. Mm. So maybe that's it. I just always knew. I still know that mm. no matter what's out ahead of me. And um, I have days, you know, with these silly eyes of mine. And yet I am grateful I can still see things. Mm. And, and I just know, I know God's got my back. I mm. don't know how else to say it. Yeah. How can, we're sort of wrap up here. I think, one, I just love that. And I'm so... I'm so happy that there's some people that, well, the way I think about it, there's just, there's so many different people that live in the world, right? That my life could intersect with, like our paths could cross. And there are some people that when your paths cross and your lives intersect and you get to hear their stories and, and hear about kind of just their journey along this thing that we call life, you're just so grateful that your life is intersected with their life. And that's how I feel about I feel you. that way too. Like how crazy is it that like, you know, somehow our lives have just aligned for these years together mm -hmm. and will for hopefully years to come. I hope so. And it's and it's a joyous thing. And And I, just, I think we always take a piece every everybody we meet. Hmm. Yeah. We always um there's some some parts of it. Of them, uh, they well, they help. They help make us what we are. Yeah. And I hope you like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come over. I'm, I want to oh. smell a Christmas tree or something. Oh. Or something. I had some but. friends here the other day, and uh, 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 I don't. I no, it was, wasn't Linda who said her husband Paul. He's he says because he know they know how I feel. He says, well, you need to put a Christmas tree right there in the middle of that room, and one goes right here, and I'm going, oh my golly. <laughs> so then it got me thinking, and I thought, well, what am I gonna do yeah, with this it. furniture? Well, yeah, and you've rearranged in here yeah, a I little did. bit, so you're well, gonna have to re-strategize. <laughs> that was because football started, and I needed to get closer to the TV to be able to see it. But like, one of the things that I love that of why our like how our stories have intersected and why I appreciate it so much is that there's so much like every time we converse and talk like it it feels like the gospel shines through in your life and through your story like it bears witness to the reality and this truth that that God's love does I think is I heard you say it sustains us mm -hmm. even when we don't know it even when we don't know it and that though we we might be the ones who feel like we're not with God. God is always with us. He's always with us, yes. And, and that to me in so many ways is like the gospel. And, and I think one of the things that I would say true. that like help you, not help you, like that I, I see in your story that, that really redeems it. And though you feel like it's you walking away from God, but what actually what happens in your life is that your life bears witness to the reality that God never walks away from us, even if we feel like that's we're right. moving in a different he just direction. Goes, he, and that's he goes where we go. Yeah. No, we go where he goes. Yeah. But that's like to me the beauty of the gospel is that the God who is Emmanuel is with us whether we want him to be with us or not, that's whether true. we're aware of it or not. And and how wonderful now that you get to be someone who also 
wants to be with God, that you're choosing to live your life with a God who's always been with you. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm, just that I'm sorry I wasted a lot of years. I don't I know if it's I think it was just your story, you know. Mm. I I yeah. you know, I can think back. I just flashed on something that there have been times in my life when something would come up and I had to make a decision. This way or this way. Yeah. And something inside me always knew, always knew. You yeah. don't go that way. You go that way. I've all, that's yeah. always happened to me all my life. I mean, in serious things. It's the grace of God. That's God, yes. Protecting. So, but one of the things you said also was that you've realized God has always got your back. Mm-hmm. I wonder, just in these moments, how your church, our church, can have your back. <laughs> you know, is there anything that you need prayer for? Is there anything that you... My boy. My boy I told you about. Um, I, I, I I keep trusting, and I, 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 I keep trying to not push it with him. Um, I, he's he's kind. He's hurt right now. He's really hurt. Uh, he was had been married for twenty two years, mm-hmm. and uh, his wife is she's very bright. She, she's a powerful presence. She's a forensic accountant, mm-hmm. and she's in court a lot. And anyway, they got a divorce, but he has two children, yeah. and uh, he has. He really has a hard time relating. His attitude is you take care of business first. You take care of all your chores, take care of business. Then you can go do what you want. Mm. Well, they both chafe at that because Mm. mama says, no, just go, just go. And so I I told you, he has a drinking problem. And of late, uh, something lovely is happening. Mm. A young couple next door have, I, I think they've been friends, but Josh and Becky seem to be spending more time with him. He's suddenly taken an interest in his home. Mm. He's fixing things. And he'll call me with just the silliest thing. <laughs> like, Mom, the air conditioner, I didn't have to get a new one. It, I got it fixed. You know? yeah. I mean, these to me are victories. <laughs> these are awesome things. Yes. And I just... I, I, I'll nudge him once in a while and I'll tell him, I'll say things like, oh, God is so good. And, and he'll, he gets real quiet. I said, I know, I know, karma. That's his thing. Well, but I try not to push. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to be dripping water on a stone. Mm-hmm. We'll be praying for your boy. Thank you. I, I'd I like think, one day for you to meet him. Yeah, we got to make that happen. It'll, maybe it'll be over a football game. Is he the one that likes football? Oh, uh, we can make oh, that happen. Oh, and, and I don't dare not watch. <laughs> I mean, even if it's teams I don't like, because yeah. all through it, he's texting me. <laughs> Mom, did you see that? Did you see that play? Did you see yeah, go, go Broncos. Yeah. You know, he, he's a, uh, he made me that thing on the wall of the uh, Rams. Oh, sure. It was a puzzle. He put this puzzle together and mounted it because I have a connection to that helmet mm. from my young... I, I know the man who designed it. I used to work okay. for him. Okay. And Andy comes up with these idiot things. You know? 
Oh, it's good. Well, we'll be praying for him. Thank you. It's um, one of the things we have this doctrine in our in our theology called prevenient grace, which really means like the grace that goes before. It's the grace that God gives to us before we're even aware that there is such a thing as grace. It's the it's the kindness of God to us when we were in like you've expressed in your story needed some direction. And God, by His grace, even though we wouldn't have called it that at the moment, but we can look back and know it was God. I know, yes. It was the grace that goes before. And yeah. one of the things about that kind of grace that, you know, I, I believe for a number of people in my own life, my brother in particular, is that God's grace, whether they're aware of it or not, is doing much the same of just being that, that drop of water mm-hmm. over time. It's simple. Is and this your brother before. in New York? Yeah. Is he ill? Oh, he's had he's had quite a journey um, with uh, a number of things, um, including addiction, that have just kind of been difficult to. Mm-hmm. It is difficult to navigate and to become a person of health and that allows you to have healthy relationships and you know all these types of things yeah. that kind of go along with that. But I continue to to maintain uh, a real conviction that whether I know it or not. Whether they know it or not, God's grace is going God before. God is at work. Yeah. I've, I've always believed that. He's always at work. Yeah. And he is even now. Patty Litton, actually, she preached a sermon on the road to Emmaus. I'll probably never forget. I don't even remember when it was. Last year sometime. It was to the empty sanctuary, actually, because we were only doing the live stream at the time. And uh, she, there's this story in the road to Emmaus where these two disciples are, are walking. They, Jesus has been crucified he's been buried they're unaware of his resurrection at this point and the story is like they're confused as to how any of that could have been possible and Jesus unbeknownst to them is walking with them and begins to explain you know the law and the prophets and how that connects with the Messiah etc etc and they have no awareness that it is Jesus who is sort of revealing these things to them as they journey together but they're and and, I, I don't remember that sermon. Yeah, and so, but part of what, like, where Patty pushed was, like, and and that's what Jesus does with people before they're even aware mm-hmm. that he's been journeying with them. Subtle. He's Subtle. there. And that gives me great, great, great hope um, for your son and for for my brother. Um, well, I'll, well, we can wrap up here, but I, I love your story. And I love you, and I'm, I'm grateful that, that we get to do this church thing together and that you were the first person to be on this attempt at a podcast <laughs> with oh people. You're a star. You're going to be a star. Big oh, star. Do, do you have to put a name on it? Could it just be a voice? Just <laughs> it can't just voice. be a voice. We'll just have a could voice on there. Voice. Yeah, and, and you could make it 20 questions. Anybody figure out who this is? But yes, thanks for being a willing participant, at least for this little oh. endeavor. Thanks, Mary Lee, for joining me in that conversation. I love your story and just your spirit and being with you. Uh, If you are a part of our church, I invite you to reach out, uh, make a call, send a text, uh, send a note to Mary Lee, just thanking her for uh, her willingness to share and be a little vulnerable in sharing her story. And uh, we look forward to hearing many more of the stories uh, that make up our story at Powerhouse Church of the Nazarene.